This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kira Mawera, how was your weekend off, Mawera? You've submitted the thesis. Oh my gosh, Sam, it was so good. But do you know what? I was reading through it again today. I found five <laughs> mistakes in the first, like in the first 10 pages. Oh my gosh. And there's such little things, like an extra space. It's amazing what happens when you convert it over to a PDF. Oh, oh, well. oh my god but anyway but that's good because it gives the examiners something to find eh? <laughs> <laughs> you will continue to find those for the rest of your life every time you open it you will find something to change oh my gosh but it's, do you know what i feel profound gratitude and appreciation for uh, the work that you and martin have done with me and the this incredible journey that we've all been on together it has been extraordinary Thank you for that. Well done, you. And who are we introducing today? Oh, my gosh. So exciting. Um, ex- very excited to introduce Chris Sullivan. Uh, Chris is a learning designer, commercial director, uh, project manager across sectors, across countries. Um, he has um, He's developing the space for the LIGA Leadership Academy, Academy to be able to uh, work in an Aotearoa context. I think that's how I read uh, your bio, Chris. That you're that you're building it around us rather than trying to build us around it, which I think is wonderful. And welcome, and thanks for joining us today. Kia ora, kia Brilliant to be on Chris. the call, and thanks for the invitation to be here. Where are you, Chris? Um, I'm currently sitting in a relatively cold house in Queenstown. Um, hence the big jacket, but. Uh, Great to be here. Looking forward to the chat. I've been starting these conversations by asking, how was your bubble life? How was your lockdown? But it's been complicated now by the fact we've had more than one. So let's go back to last year. How was your bubbles last year? Um, In all honesty, bubbles for me, I'm not sure how it was for you both, but it was fantastic. Um, For me, it gave me time to think about thinking, gave me time to think about learning. And it gave me time to think about and connect with the people that were important to me. So um, if those are three things to take away from a bubble, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. And did you feel the same way about this year's this year's lockdown? Did you, did you go into it knowing we could you could solve this? Was it a, a different experience? Um, I just want to reach out to the mahi of the people that are working or doing their time in Auckland. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough times, so... I wouldn't even begin to suggest that I understand what they're going through, like the uncertainty of how long it's going to last and what it, what it might be. But um, at this end of the country, touch wood, um, yeah, we're doing it okay. Um, that said, feeling for the businesses down here because they're doing it tough. So Mawera said that you were creating the Leica Leadership Academy in New Zealand. You'll have to take us a few steps back and tell us what that's about. Yeah, can I take you back to, I'll, I'll start with a, a story if that's okay and paint a picture for you and then I'll, I'll talk you through in practical terms what we think of doing. Um, I'm not sure if you and um, Moira and your listeners have heard of an organisation called The Next Foundation, um, but it's an awesome outfit and what they're trying to do is do two things. One is um, to contribute towards predator-free New Zealand and, uh, ferrets, stoats, possums, weasels, um, you name it, rats. Um, and the second thing is that they're looking to reduce inequities and inequalities of ed- in education, which I think is awesome. Um, I talked to Bill Commode, who's the CEO of the Next Foundation. I said, well, how would you know if you're making a difference um, with regards to the pest eradication um, priorities of the New Zealand government and the, um, the accord that's been signed in that 
in that regard. And he said to me, basically, um, have you ever gone to the forest in the morning or early in the evening? And I said, yep, a couple of times. And he said, well, what do you hear? And he said, do you hear birdsong? And so one of the indicators they've got is if over time you hear more birdsong in the forest, then that's probably a pretty good indicator that there's less pests. So that was what I took from it. And then he asked me a question. I was sitting in my car at the time, and with Jeff Holty, who's our education director, he said, what does educational birdsong look like in New Zealand? And I thought, that's a pretty good question, Bill. Um, so as, as analogous to the school that we're starting, um, for some students in some places, they feel like they're learning to sing the same song in the same way at the same time. And I can understand where that motivation comes from and I can understand how, how a system needs to work towards having all students hit targets in the same way at the same time. And, and so LIGA, we recognise that. However, what we're saying is just imagine if every learner learnt to sing their own song in their own way in their own time and how special... Could that be and would that be? Uh, and so eventually, Touchwood, um, the students that come to LIGRA, and this is the school we're trying to set up, they'll join the chorus, which is our community, it's our country, it's our future. Um, but when they do, they'll be singing their own song and be confident in singing it. And so one of the challenges and one of the opportunities we have is how does that get reflected in Te Ao Māori, Mura, and Tereo, um, tikanga, um, how, how do we have all students confident in their own language, cultures and identities um, and experience learning in a way that makes sense to them? So to answer your question, Sam, um, we're setting up a, a new little school. We're excited about it. We hope to open it, or we will open it rather, uh, next year. And when we do, we're going to have every student singing their own song in their own, own way. Wow. Where did that come from, That I, that idea of... Not the bird song metaphor, but the, the the approach to teaching or the approach to learning. Yep. So if I take take you back a little way, around ten years ago, our founders Trevor and Agneska um, wanted to make a difference to education and to um, by extension international aid. They at the time were um, they, they travelled a lot in, in the younger days. Two countries stood out to them. One was New Zealand. One was Cambodia. At the time, they decided to make a difference through the work they'd done in the the experiences they had in their own commercial lives. They were adopting their son, Alex, in Cambodia, and they thought, well, let's start op by opening a school in Cambodia. So 10 years ago, they established a school in Cambodia. For the last 10 years, approximately, they have fully supported every child from across Cambodia to attend the school. And the vision and the mission is to enable kids to become young, socially conscious, entrepreneurial future leaders. So that's what's been happening for the last 10 years. Um, it's pretty awesome. The, one of the stories I to, told to Maura, I, I think, was that fast forward, the, the students have, in the last decade, launched Cambodia's space program. They've literally been building a CubeSat, which hopefully will be launched into space. The students have literally been building... Uh, marine eco ecosystems off the coast of Cambodia. The students have literally written textbooks for Cambodian schools in economics and social sciences and the arts. The students have literally, currently, um, my favourite little story, they're building, a, and you'll probably like this, Sam, given you're into sustainability. One of the things which I personally like is that the Cambodian government has been confiscating uh, chainsaws to reduce um, deforestation generally. The students have taken approximately a thousand chainsaws. They've become trained in industrial welding and they're building a tree out of those chainsaws. <laughs> and f f for me, um, I, when I was 15 or 16, I went to school to have my lunch and play rugby. And if young people are able to launch a satellite, build a tree out of chainsaws, write the curriculum textbooks for the country, then I'm all up for it. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have a Dave Dobbin, Welcome Home. Why this one? H have you guys ever flown back into Auckland and you see 
see that little bit of farm either side and a couple of cows and a couple of random houses. Yeah. That's why. Like, I, I it's, it's, albeit it's been 18 months since I've had the opportunity to fly back into New Zealand, to be fair. Um, like, I, usually I'll play the English one and then I'll play his um, bilingual translation. Um, and as I touch down on the airport, I just go, thank goodness I'm back in this country because it's amazing. go about setting up a, a new school so sam there's there's four elements in my view to setting up a school um in short there's a place to teach someone to teach there's someone to do the teaching and there's something to teach in terms of the curriculum so who what where why and how um in short so like like it's pretty special our our classroom uh is outside the window so whilst we do have a, a great spot in frankton when I've been talking to um, Mana Whenua down here and when I've been talking to other people in the community, we could be learning next to a river, next to a mountain, um, in a factory, in a workshop, wherever. So point number one, learning can take place anywhere and that's our classroom, number one. Number two, you need someone to teach your students. And when I first talked to Jeff 
who is our education director, I said, how many teachers has Liger got? And he said, 5.7 billion. And I said, Jeff, not how many adults in the world, um, how many teachers have you got? And he goes, yeah, I heard you the first time. So the way Liger works is anyone, anywhere, anytime, at the, at the right time, could be a teacher of our students. And so the Liger campus in Cambodia has actively between three and 500 volunteers who are working with the students. And we make sure that any of our students who express an interest in any particular area have the opportunity to meet with experts. And so as teachers or as facilitators, we see our role as to connect young people with the learning they want to experience. So that's number two. Number three is how do we then connect our learners with our curriculum? We're pretty privileged that our classroom has been out in the community. We're out doing impactful community-based projects between 40 and 60% of the time. And so as an example, we've got some students at the moment and they are building an app uh, on commission essentially to the Queenstown Trails Trust. And what we're doing is building an immersive trails app. Um, So they've been trained by Emmy award-winning journalists from the States in how to interview. They've been trained in photography and coding uh, and design. And so the intent is that all of the projects we do are going to be impactful in the community, if that makes sense. And the way we describe it is that we're into opportunity-based learning. So often for kids, a little bit of learning will happen, and that's great. And then I'm not sure if it's like this for you in your adult lives, but you don't know what's going to be around the corner. And so what Liger's thinking about is let's just let the curriculum go where it needs to go. So then the fourth point, Sam, uh, to, your, to your broader question is, so what, what do we teach? And I'm not sure if either of you have been into a countdown supermarket recently, but I certainly have, and it's not the most pleasant experience. Um, not to say anything about countdown, but in any supermarket, yeah, you know, it's, it's a funny old world. But if, if you take a supermarket spent analogous to education, for a lot of kids, there's an aisle called English. There's another one called math. There's another one called social science. There's another one called tech and whole order and wellbeing and so on. And to reflect the NZ curriculum, there's seven or eight aisles, depending on how you, how you look at it. And the aisles are essentially eight stacks deep. And at the top of the stack, something called the New Zealand um, NCEA, our senior secondary qualification. For many kids, at the start of the year, they walk into the supermarket and they get told what they're going to be eating educationally for the next 12 months. What aisles are going to walk down? What's going to be happening term by term, week by week, day by day? And I get that, and we get that. What we're saying is let's ask the kids at the start of the year, what are you hungry for educationally? What do you want to eat? What do you want to know? What do you want to do? And so with that in mind, um, some kids want to eat Chinese. Some kids want to eat Italian. Some kids want to have fruit and vegetables. Some kids want to be in the chips and ollies, lollies aisle all year. That's okay. Every student starts and every rangatahi, every afonga starts, you know, in a different place. That's cool. What we do is say over the course of the year, we're going to work out what you're hungry for educationally. We're going to design a meal plan, an educational plan that, that works for you. And over the course of the year, we'll work it out. And sometimes you're going to reach high. Sometimes we'll need to, you to help. We'll need to help you to reach low, but it doesn't make sense to us at this point to say that every young person is is consuming the same education in the same time at the same way, and so that that's what we're working on at the moment. And um, Sam, the the point I'd make is it's really early days for us. We're we're a young school. We've got fantastic young people who have joined us so far. We've got amazing families who have joined us, but we're in our infancy and we're looking as much as anything to learn with and from others in the education sector in New Zealand because there's some amazing teachers, in my view, amazing teachers, amazing schools, doing amazing things with kids. And so we're not getting ahead of ourselves. It's it's early days. So two questions. What about the – do some kids get stuck in that lolly aisle? No. No, they, they, they might be there for a little while, but um, what what we do is, is uh, we're all New Zealand trained teachers, myself included, the young, the young people are 
are experiencing their learning. Uh, but what we do in the background is we track the coverage of NCA. We ensure that they've got a, a personal um, portfolio of learning. And so if I just paint a picture, if it's useful of what our current students are doing, and albeit that they're only year seven through nine, the morning project is building the app, the immersive trail app for the Queenstown Trails Trust. But in the afternoon, we've, we've got students, one, one young lady has written her third novel in six months. Two students are working with architects to design tiny homes, which we hope in time might be a nod towards a sustainable housing solution in Queenstown, which is certainly needed. We've got other students who have been experimenting with cryptocurrency. Another student who's looking at magnetic levitation and how that might influence public transport. I guess my point is, kids are amazing. <laughs> yeah, and if you give if you give a young person the opportunity to exceed the potential that they see in themselves, imagine what we could do in a small school, but um, probably more important, imagine what Aotearoa New Zealand could do when every young person had the opportunity to exceed the potential that they see in themselves. And, and that, that's what we're about. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou hau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for all of us we've been through such an intense time together over the last more than a year and being part of the show has made a huge difference to me and I'm so grateful to you all and to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me. Thank you. Now of course at the moment we find ourselves at yet another crossroads whether here in Aote Dunedin we will have the opportunity to head into level one whether up in Tamaki Makoto there will be the opportunity to head into level three all of these decisions are to be made and for me of course a move to level one would mean being able to begin teaching again at my beloved heart's home Orokanui Eco Sanctuary and I have been really missing this having worked in environmental education for the last 16 years it is a real huge part of of who I am and how I understand myself and the immediate interactions with the lovely people that come to visit and with the living world of course are such a huge nourishment to me and missing out on these interactions is hard I do miss them something of course that I love about those immediate interactions in the real world in the living world is that of course it helps us to remember so much about our innate and essential natures that we are a species of animal that we are intrinsically part of this living world and geared towards exploring it and appreciating it and understanding it. And of course, when we are out in the fresh air and the sunshine, all the snow, all the rain, all the hail, our living toolkit can come into play, our senses can awaken and enjoy experiencing the environment around us as we have evolved to do. We can also marvel, of course, at all our relations, all the life that we have co-evolved with in an infinite web, all the lives that have made our life now possible and can support us. And of course, we can also have that sense of manakitaka and reciprocity that we are here with the capacity to care for the world around us and to cultivate and establish protection and care for these other life forms around us. It's also wonderful to connect with that curious and that inquisitive side to us, which I think is always there, that we want to know more, that we want to understand more deeply, that we want to meet new experiences and new life forms, that we want to have a sense of the breadth and the depth and the scope of the biodiversity that surrounds us. The more that we can see that biodiversity, the greater joy we feel. So I really hope for you that there are things that you're 
looking forward to and also things that right now are sustaining you. I'm really enjoying being able to have some time caring for my home and also exploring my neighbourhood. So I hope that for you, if your working situation has shifted and changed, that you're finding ways to make your new working situation really positive and supportive for you. And knowing that whatever changes come and when they come, you will be able to deal with them and you will be able to find a way through that helps you and those around you. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubble, talking with Chris Sullivan. Chris, what you're talking about is what we talk about all the time. This is, you're actually, you are you are the minister preaching to the choir in, in this space. It's so nice. There's a, there's a question I have. And so presumably the learners that you have have come from an environment where they already have an imagination that's cultivated a level of self-belief um, I'm talking about the New Zealand learners. Um, how do you move kids who have come from a place where they, where where there has there hasn't been that cultivation of uh, their thinking and their imagination and their their belief in themselves, um, and also that um, that level of academic confidence? How do you bring those kids into that creative thinking space where they can start to vision their future? That's an awesome awesome question. And can I approach it in, a, in three parts? And I, I think we'll all agree with the first part, and that is that every young person, whether they be in New Zealand or any, anywhere in the world, have potential. Yes, 100%. And the job, the job of educators then is to discover what that potential is and help help them to understand their own potential and and to grow. So that's part one. The, the second part, I guess, for me would be how do you create a learning environment where it's okay to fail? And I mean failure in the most positive sense of the word. So one of the acronyms which we use occasionally is first attempt in learning. That's failure. When I talk to the young people in our program at the moment, one of the things they say that they like about what we're doing at the moment is it's okay to be wrong. And one young learner said to me, Sometimes at school, I get put in a box. When I come to Liger, I get to make the box. And I was like, brilliant, love it. And another young learner went home to his mum and said, mum, I've got something to tell you, and I hope you're not angry. And she said, I'll never be angry because you're my son and I love you. He said, I've discovered I'm an artist. Is that okay? (laughs) And so to your second point, Sam, Let's just create an environment in education where kids feel okay about expressing themselves, their opinions, and expressing that they don't know when they don't know. So that's point number two, I guess, for me. And and point number three is that students have got different paths and they'll end up in different places, and we shouldn't be worried about that. We should actually celebrate it. So if at the moment we're incredibly lucky in the LIGA Cambodia uh, approximately 40% of the students have got full scholarships to places like Princeton and Stanford and whatever. And yeah, I, I haven't heard of many schools where 40% of students are getting full scholarships. And that's great. And let's celebrate that. But I'll tell you what, I'd celebrate as much the students who went directly into setting up their own not-for-profit organisations. I'd celebrate the kid who's building a, a tree out of 10,000 chainsaws. And I'd celebrate the student who is setting up their own business with their friends and making a difference to the community. So to, to paraphrase your question, um, let's celebrate diversity, let's celebrate difference, but also let's celebrate what education is and what it could be in making a difference to the lives of kids. If you think about the... I talk to kids a lot and, and all my different... I've got a, I wear a bunch of different hats in my community and I spend a lot of time talking to kids and it's the same problems that come up for them all kids all the time and it's like I'm standing here and there's my future but there's this wall and the wall is made of climate change the future of work homelessness methamphetamine addiction social dysfunction impending global financial crisis uh, an education system that doesn't work 
a health system that's not working. Like these are the things that our kids constantly fed by the media, by social media, by um, by everything around them. This negative wall is built that prevents them from walking into the future. How do we empower them to smash that wall down or find a way over, under, around it? How do we how do we shift them from the the mire of of negativity into a positive future? Such a great question. Um, and I'm sure there's a myriad of different answers to it, but I'll, I'll give you mine if that's okay. Yes, please. And, and mine's this, is that education needs to start and finish with values. And giving, so we're, at LIGO we've got six values and we start the day and we finish the day talking about our values and what they would look like if they were lived in the execution or the application of the work for the day. One of those values is optimism. And another one is appreciation. Another one is um, ingenuity. And, and I could go on. It must be a tough, tough world being a young person at the moment. And yeah, you've got COVID and you've got wars and you've got stuff going on. So what we're trying to do, and we're only, you know, we're a young school. So but in, in New Zealand, but with a, an incredible 10-year track record in Cambodia. What we're saying is let's start with our values. Let's develop socially conscious entrepreneurial future leaders who can, who can make a difference first in their own lives, then in the lives of their communities, and then ultimately countries in our world. The kids in Cambodia have, have made that difference. Um, yeah, one, one of the examples, which I love, is that a couple of years ago, the, the girls um, in our senior group went to Technovations out of, I think, 57,000 kids in um, a number of countries, they, they came second in trying to, in Technovations coding um, on a global scale. Now, that's a great story. The better story is that three years previous, none of them had seen a computer and none of them spoke English. And they were competing with Silicon Valley, Valley schools and the like. So to answer your question in short, how do you give young people a sense of optimism that they can make a difference in their own lives, in the lives of the pe people around them, in the lives of the community that they are a part of, and maybe in, in some small way in their country. And so that, that's what we're looking to do. So Liger, Liger itself in New Zealand, um, we, we, that's our mission, is that um, potential doesn't come with a postcode, in, my, in our view. Uh, potential exists in all communities um, and all sorts of young people. And our founders have generous, generously set up a foundation so that the first question we ask is, as a young person, would you benefit from an education which is trying to develop socially conscious entrepreneurial future leaders? And if, if that's the sort of young person that you are, then that's great. And then if you're a great fit, then we're not going to let um, your postcode be any sort of barrier to you coming to the school. And yeah, I'm I'm just delighted. We've got this generous scholarships fund that will make sure that's the case. The intent is in three or four years' time, we will have the students work with the architects, work with the builders. They'll design the school themselves. Which I think would be brilliant. Uh, they'll put a boarding house next to it, uh, which will be brilliant. And then at that point, we can be a school in Queenstown for New Zealand, hope, hopefully making a difference to the world. Why Queenstown? What made you go there? Why not? Well, it's just a curiosity. You could have come to Fakatani. That would have been good, but <laughs> you went yeah. to Queenstown. So, look, Queen, Queenstown's got a, um, a huge amount, amount of advantages. Um, it's got an incredible outdoors, so we can, we can access the outdoors, the mountains, the rivers, lakes, and so forth, so number one. Number two, it's got an incredible diversity of, of people in Queenstown, entrepreneurs from all over the world, which is fantastic. Third point is that our intent is that no student ever will miss out if they're the right student to come to the school. So it could be Whangarei, it could be Kaikoui, it could be Patauru, it could be anywhere you like. But if our mantra is that no student's going to miss out and we've got a boarding facility to support the school, then our hope and our intent is that students from all over New Zealand will be coming here and in time, and we're talking you know, a number of years ahead, our demographic of the school 
will reflect the demographic of New Zealand. So that's one part of it. The second part also is Trevor and Agneska, who are the founders and have been amazing for the last decade. And they, they've fully funded the Cambodian school for the last decade um, and all students going to it. They, they moved to Queenstown and they have a, a very personal interest in ensuring that the school's successful, which I think is fantastic. And so they want to be you know, cl close, close to the school um, and have that interest. I'm going to squeeze in the second of your music choices, The Confrontation. Why this? Uh, for me, Sam, it's just a fantastic juxtaposition of you've got um, Valjean, who is the um, the convict, and Shavir, who is the policeman from memory. They have had this conflict over 40 or 50 years, and it's a conflict fundamentally of beliefs about humanity. And if you listen to the lyrics, I just find it fascinating that um, eventually Javier, the the um, policeman, realises that Valjean has been telling the truth throughout his entire life and then questions his own beliefs about justice, about education, about society in its entirety. And um, aside from that, it's just a good song. At last we see each other plain Monsieur Le Maire, you'll wear a different chain Before you say another word, Javert Before you chain me up like a slave again Listen to me, there is something I must do this woman leaves behind a suffering child There is none but me who can intercede In mercy's name, three days are all I need Then I'll return, I pledge my word Then I'll return You must think me mad I've hunted you across the years A man like you can never change A man such as you We've seen lots of changes in society over the last year or so. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? That's an awesome question. Um, what I hope will stick is that as families, as communities and as countries, we don't lose sight of what's important. And for me, the biggest thing of COVID um, and the challenges that we've got in New Zealand and across the world at the moment is that we just need our young people, we need our systems to stop and to think about what's important. So I, I talked a bit, a little bit before about values. For me, it's about young people just being optimistic about the future and there is a future 
for them and for us and for our world, and that's awesome. So that's number one. The second thing is I hope that the education system takes the time to stop and think about what was working and what wasn't working for young people. And um, at a macro level, there's huge inequities and inequalities in educational outcomes in New Zealand, but generally for students across the world. Um, access to digital technologies is a case in point. Access to elements of assessment, um, if you're in a you know in a digital divide, yeah, that, that's challenging. So yeah, Sam. Second point would be let's as a system take stock, work out whether the system's working for everybody, and if it's not, let let's work on it together. Because the the third thing I'd say is that all of us have recognised that we're better together than apart. And so whilst our government talks about the team of 5 million, let, let's just imagine the possibilities of if there was a team of 5 million working for every young person in every school in New Zealand and we were not um, taking any excuse for any failure for any group of kids anywhere in that system. I think it would be amazing. Mawera was talking before about the threats that not just young people facing but but all of us things like climate change biodiversity social inequity what lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for dealing with those sorts of things i wouldn't purport to be any sort of expert in climate change and um, wouldn't pretend to be so what i would say is perhaps COVID has shown us that our society and our environment and our people are all interlinked and that we need to think deeply about how we draw those connections together and and how we, in some way, become a more sustainable community and a, a more sustainable future. The theme of this show is positive but not deluded. And you were talking before about one of the values in the school being optimism. How do you manage that with the kids, that 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 you want them to be positive and have a positive future, but you also need to bring in that what we'd call in academia critical reality mm. so one one of the things which is perhaps unique to LIGA is that we have developed our own set of leadership competencies so as I said before we're, we're looking to develop socially conscious entrepreneurial future leaders we took a lot of research out of Harvard University and, and what how they were thinking about leadership and three of the specific leadership competencies that we're looking to develop to your question specifically, one is comfort with the uncertainty, which is, in our view, the ability to move forward in the face of uncertain or ambiguous circumstances, which I think we'd all agree um, is the last 18 months, and trying to work it out of your own comfort zone and to do something and take informed chances and in some way understand the difference between risk and re- reward so that, that's one specific competency which I think is is relevant. The, the second one which I'd probably highlight is the idea of being a dot connector. So there's been a dot connector at a local level, working with local organisations, working with local NGOs, finding local projects. But there's also, in, a, in some way, understanding how ideas connect locally, globally, nationally. Um, and those changes in the world are happening quickly. And so... The, the people who are going to, going to succeed, in, in our view, in the next generation of those who can connect dots. And the third one, for me, in, in answer to your question, is how do you build networks? Because nobody's going to thrive and succeed in this millennia, um, maybe in the next year, unless you can build networks with people. And so if, if, if we can connect dots, build networks, deal with ambiguity, and... Every day the students come to school, they're encouraged to think about those things and we reflect on them, then personally, I think they'll be successful. I have some questions to end the show and not very much time, so we shall have to be quick. What's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? We're very early days in New Zealand, so, but I, I'm, I'm proud of a student going home saying I wrote a book. I'm proud of a student going home saying I'm building a tiny house. I'm proud of a kid thinking about how they could help Afghani students. And I'm particularly proud of one of our students who wrote a song um, talking about how New Zealand should band together and 
in terms of our COVID response. So those are the individual successes. In terms of like a bigger picture, I'm, I'm proud of a school that just wants to think differently, which isn't to say that other schools don't, because they do. Um, but I'm, I'm proud of a school where students see the possibility of building a satellite and sending it into space. And I'm proud of a school where they build their chainsaw tree and a bunch of other things. But most of all, I'm, I guess for me, um, I'm proud to be part of a team and we're only a small team in New Zealand and we've got a great team in Cambodia. I'm pr- proud of being part of a team that dares to imagine that education can be something that every kid loves and that every kid exceeds the potential and they see in themselves. And if, look, if, if that happens and if every kid sings their own song in their own way in five or six years' time, um, I'll be proud then. But um, Sam, it's, it's too early for me to say I'm, that, yeah, we need to get some runs on the board. And at the moment, I'm just stoked to have a great team, great kids, and um, let's let's go from there. It might be too early for that, but it's not too early for you to appear in the book that we are writing, which is Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? My superpower at the moment is doing magic tricks for my little niece, who's three and a half, um, which is pretty average superpower, to be fair. Um and I'll have to work on some other ones. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? I can, looking at your website, a realist who wants to activate change. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? That's a great question. Um, Two things. The potential to make a difference. And I've been incredibly fortunate in the jobs I've had previous to LIGA that I've worked at a system level and I've worked at an individual level. Uh, But... I think if all of us wake up in the morning and think I can make a difference to someone or something, that's a pretty good place to start. And the second thing for me is the opportunity through making a difference is to leave a legacy for someone or something. So I I hope in some small way, when I look back on my life and hopefully it's a long one to go yet. um, But um, I hope one day that I'll look back and say, I made a difference and I made it to someone or something, and then they made a difference to someone else and something. And if, if, if we could all do that, wouldn't that be awesome? So what's the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Let's seek the things of greatest value. Um, and if we bow down, let it be only to that loftiest mountain. But I, I personally, and I'm not sure if you guys feel the same way, but... Education is the thing that will make a difference to kids and to our communities and our country. And if we don't get it right, we'll get it very wrong. But if we get it right, this country could be awesome. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? I wouldn't presume to know them, but um, what I'd say is stay safe. Wake up in the morning and and do what you can do to make a difference to others. And if if we all do that, it'll be cool. Thank you for that. Mawera. Chris, I have so much admiration for the work that you're doing. Um, We need a big revamp in our education system. We all know that. And it may well be that you guys end up being the guiding light for the rest of education to follow. And that will be so good. So thank you for the commitment that you've made to educating our young people and the opportunities that you're giving. And absolutely all the best for getting this really going well um, in Aotearoa. Kia ora. Kia ora. Namahi. And if I could say to you both and to your listeners, um, we're two ears and one mouth at the moment. We want to try and use them in, in that proportion. And so we're, we're we're keen to draw on other people's expertise and ideas and knowledge. Um, and if if in any small way we can contribute to the to the mahi of other people in Aotearoa, if we can contribute um, in some small way, um, Sam, to what you're doing sustainability that'd be awesome and the last thing i'd say is 60 percent of our work is out there in the community um so the kids are working out there doing stuff so if either of you or your listeners listen to this and think there's a project that a group of great young people with awesome facilitators could be doing together um we're up for it
around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Nico and Vince. Am I wrong? I'm Tim Manasaurus Bade with Wira Karatai in Pakatani, and we've been joined from Queenstown by Chris Sullivan. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.